welcome to Let's Talk Ed and Zahi. In our last episode, we started talking about uh, some of the realities facing higher education that we've seen, and that is colleges and universities shutting down. And um, we were starting to have a conversation at the end of our last one about relevance and and how do we stay relevant uh, to prospective students. Um, but not just to prospective students, I think there's also relevance to uh, you know, stakeholders, business and industry, our communities and all of that. So unpeel that onion, Zahi. Uh, thanks for handing me the hot potato, speaking of uh, <laughs> veggies and fruits. And, <laughs> but um, so I think uh, relevance is, uh, is a, in itself is a universe because you want to be relevant, not just for today and tomorrow, you want to be relevant for the short, and long-term future of your uh, society and if your employers. I think over the last several decades, we've thought about the student in, uh, in isolation uh, of, you know, they come to school and that's where they're going to do their education. They've got 12 years in, in, uh, in K through 12, and then they got one, two, four, years in in higher education and in that box which you know through human evolution that's not how we've learned we learn every single day uh we don't stop for christmas and and the summer and so um and we don't learn in 50 minute chunks so i i think to remain relevant i think we need to perhaps reimagine ourselves and perhaps to consider lifelong learning, not just in terms of taking classes for giggles, like, like you've taken welding and you're going to be taking ironwork class this uh, fall and you take uh, 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 guitar lessons. I'm thinking also for workforce development, also for professional development. And, and um, so I think that is part of it. And we talked in the past about the uh, stackability of certificates. I also think in order for us to remain relevant, perhaps, and you've talked about that, perhaps not being everything for everyone, rather being good at what we do is part of the relevance. And uh, also something I keep on harping on is supporting the growth of our faculty and staff. Uh, would allow us to remain relevant. Do you agree with that? Did I, is that how you're viewing it? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think about, you know, there's certain institutions uh, that, that I think about, and I, I won't name names, that are well known to be, you know, if you are going to go into this profession, this is the university that you want to go to because they have specialized in that. And I understand the appeal of, we have 150 majors you can choose from. And to some extent, it gets to, how do you, how do you stay great at all of that? Um, and, and then, you know, you kind of start to get into that Baskin-Robbins problem where you have all of this choice in front of you. 
and how do you pick the right things? And if you look at, and the reason I said Baskin Robbins is, you know, 31 flavors, but their two most popular flavors are chocolate and vanilla. Um, even though you have all of these other things, you know, so if you are, uh, you know, especially a smaller college or university, do you try to do everything or do you try to pick certain things that we're going to be leaders in this? We're going to make sure we have outstanding faculty that we develop. We're going to make sure we have an outstanding reputation uh, within the industry uh, that when we have students graduate from our program, they are going to come in right away and do really well. Um, and, and those aren't always the things that, that we evaluate greatness on. Um, you know, it can be really easy. And, and I'm not saying that, that things like completion is not important. Um, but, you know, let's say we complete 100% of our people every year, but, uh, you know, one in four ends up in their career that they studied have we done a good job as an institution? Uh, some people would say, well, yeah, you, you 100% completion, but, you know, three out of four are, are working in minimum wage jobs because they weren't prepared for the workforce. Um, you know, one of the other things that, that I've thought about when you talk about lifelong learning, um, it seems like there are a lot of colleges that you know, are very terminal, you get that degree and you're done. And uh, they're not necessarily thinking about how do we, how do we help with continuing education for people? So uh, I get these all the time advertising for, you know, learn Excel or learn how to do this cool thing in, in whatever. And almost universally, none of those are offered by universities. Uh, so why wouldn't you as a college or university say, why don't we get in this business too? Why should a, a private company somewhere be selling these sorts of trainings when we could do these too? And we can make money off them as well. Now, the difference is, um, you know, colleges are, are usually thinking about a semester long class, whereas these are you know, it's a one day seminar somewhere or something like that. And, you know, those are some of the things that the colleges and universities need to be thinking about. So what you're talking about there is, is um, the rigidity of how many of us have been operating as opposed to the realities. Um, I, I, I like what you said. I also am going to bring up something again. I keep on harping on it. Our focus, especially in two-year colleges, but, but I know for certain in regionals and selective universities is very similar, has been on full-time students. When we're talking about a shrinking population and we're talking about an aging population, uh, that traditional age full-time student is going to be a really a rarer uh, incidents. So I think where some of the private for-profits that we we're talking about, the, the growth of we were referring to has been because they've shed that rigidity 
and allowed for an agile service to the need of the individuals. Uh, and I'm not just talking about an eight-week uh, term versus uh, a 16, 18-week. Uh, that's not what I'm necessarily referring to, although it is part of it. I am thinking about uh, uh, credits for prior learning. I'm thinking about uh, competency-based education. I'm thinking about the modalities of instruction using uh, online and hybrid and, well, asynchronous online and, and hybrid and high-flex modalities and flipped classrooms and open labs in an effective way. Um, I think that doesn't get to the question of, of quality because you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we need to be the best we could. Uh, but if you become the big behemoth, then you've cornered the market and quality may relevant because you've cornered the market. Yeah. And, you know, I think you're, you're spot on, too, with private for profits have done a phenomenal job with, with some of the things that you just talked about. I, I saw an advertisement uh, earlier today talking about a competency based master's program, and, and this was for a a private for profit. And if you are a working adult, uh, a program like that looks very intriguing on the surface. And, um, you know, that's, that's where some parts of higher ed need to kind of get over the idea, or we're the only ones that know how to teach this. So you need to take our classes to get it. Um, you know, need to kind of get over that because, again, there are these adult students out there and they are, are working, they're raising families, and, and the idea that they are going to drop out of life to attend college exclusively for one, two, three, four years or more is not necessarily a realistic thing. So we've been talking a little bit about... Uh, things colleges and, and universities can do to remain relevant. Uh, if you enjoy topics like this, be sure and subscribe to us here on YouTube. Ring that bell down below. You'll get notified when we post new content. And of course, you can find Let's Talk Ed on all of your favorite podcasting platforms as well. So for Dr. Zahi Atala, I'm Chris Ford. We'll see you next time right here on Let's Talk Ed.